Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he tries his best not to get involved in the Time War and arrive at episode 529. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. Pretty good. Can't complain. I also cannot complain. <laughs> Did you guys do anything this week? We watched Uncharted. Now that it's what? on Netflix. What'd what you think? Is that? It's the Tom Holland, um, oh, Mark yes. Wahlberg based off the video game. Gotcha. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and as, as someone who played the video games... I thought they did a good job um, capturing the essence of the story, even if they make some tweaks and modifications. And it's kind of set up as an origin story of how these two characters meet. But I thought the characterizations were pretty spot on. Uh, and overall, the tone and feel of it felt like the video games. And there were great, awesome action elements and some stuff that were a little bit ridiculous. And eh, Definitely worth watching. I kind of expected to be disappointed by it just because the video games are so good, but I wasn't, so I would definitely watch another one. How about you, Sean? Well, we uh, we finished watching Sandman on Netflix, which is phenomenal. Have you uh, have you all watched? Nope. Nope. Highly, highly, highly recommended. Uh, the little bonus episode they uh, kind of threw on at the end is not required watching to enjoy the rest of the season. It, it's barely, other than featuring characters that, you know, have come before, it's barely related at all. But there is a nifty little Doctor Who uh, Easter egg in that you get not one, not two, not three, but four Whovian alumni in uh, in one episode. Hmm. Uh, the, the last one has... Uh, David Tennant and uh, Georgia Moffat and Arthur Darvill. Oh. And Derek Jacobi. Oh. And Michael Sheen, so five. And Michael Sheen, there's five of them. I forgot Michael Sheen was in the show. So, yeah. Well, his voice. His voice, anyway. Uh, we also finished watching Halo, which um, it's not bad. It was, it's kind of an interesting first season. It di diverges quite a bit from the story arc uh, that's set forth in the games and when it's halo it's pretty good uh, when they shoehorn some other stuff in that uh, really isn't necessary other than to kind of pad out the episode count it it, it dragged on kind of ridiculously um but now that hopefully that story arc is is relatively wrapped up and if they move forward with the season two which i believe they are uh, I think it'll feel more like Halo going forward. And of course, we watched Hocus Pocus 2. How is it? It is uh, just a delightful little dose of, yes, we've, we've got our finger on the nostalgia button. And I it's, it's not as good as the first one. I'll, I'll say that. But you know what? I don't care. I found things to laugh at. I you know just delighted in the fact that the Sanderson sisters were back and... Uh, they, they do some interesting things with uh, their new cast and they call back to a lot of jokes. And of course there's song and dance numbers and yeah, just every, everything that I kind of wanted out of a sequel. <laughs> Glenn, what did you do this week? Absolutely nothing. 
I didn't watch anything. I didn't do anything. I did finish reading uh, the Spider-Verse comic book story arc. Um, a few months back, I bought the uh, collected edition and, and just finished it up. It's pretty good. So it's pretty exciting. There's a lot of interesting little um, things that they do with it. And it has pretty much every Spider-Man you can imagine. Even the Spider-Man from the Hostess uh uh, commercials that were the one page commercials in the back of the ads in the back of the uh, comics. <laughs> um, but it, it was yeah, really, it was neat. A yeah, it was neat. It was really fun. They, they include, uh, and it, it's kind of cool because they do a splash page of, it's just a one page story and it involves that particular Spider-Man. Now they don't go as far to call the, the, um, fruit pies and stuff hostess but it goes far enough to to imply that that's what they're talking about and then there was another splash page that was actually it was three uh three it was four panels or four sets of panels i should say in black and white and this was meant to be the spider-man from the newspaper strips and (laughs) the antagonists in this each time that the, it goes through four strips and advances the story. The first strip of the next, or the first panel of the next strip, will sort of recap, in a you know in a in a weird narrative way, what has been happening. And so the antagonist is quite confused at what's happening because he he doesn't know why uh, Peter Parker keeps re- kind of rehashing what was just done in the previous panel from the last or previous yeah previous panel from the last strip. And so he gets, he gets very confused. And then he realizes that in this particular universe, that's how this, the mechanics work in this particular universe. So it's really cool. It, it, it was a an ambitious story and um, it's got, you know, it, if you look at into the uh, multiverse, uh, into the spider verse, it has glimpses of what this did on a larger scale. Um, it's, kind of nice that you know spider-verse is a little more contained and a little more focused but um it was neat that's about all i did though i didn't really watch anything we've we we're still keeping up on uh, she hulk you were invited on an adventure across all of time and space in a completely random order it's the police box in the junkyard podcast Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Khashki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Who-niverse. On Shuffle, the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. Hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit, and every two weeks or so I'm joined by a two to three person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979, that would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, 
or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. collect Doctor Who? Do you have Doctor Who items and you don't know you collect Doctor Who? For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. I am Larry Van Rusbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 40 years. With popular features like collection protection and the most outrageous offer, we have a lot of fun. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Network podcast. All right, well, why don't we move on to our reviews? The Eighth Doctor, Timor, Volume 1. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. The Eighth Doctor, The Time War, Volume 1. Welcome aboard the space cruiser Theseus. We're on a cruise liner. But there's no glass. That's space out there. Please have your tickets and boarding passes ready. Why aren't we dead? Because I doubt they would sell many tickets for the cruise if it killed people. Sensors indicate the enemy TARDIS we have pursued. Destroy it! I obey! This feels different somehow. Doctor, we're on holiday, remember? Ripples are becoming waves crashing onto the shore. Meaning? That something wicked this way comes. Big finish. We love stories. A terrible war is being waged through space and time, as two powerful enemies rip the cosmos apart in a final struggle to the death. The Doctor stands apart from this conflict. He is not a warrior, but a healer. But the Time War is snapping at his heels, and soon he will have no choice but to turn and face its horrors. Were you going to break down the individual stories, or just do the one for the entire box set? We sort of talked about it ahead of time, and I think we're just going to do... No, it's okay. I... We, it was, it's before you got to the meeting. Um, but we, we kind of decided that it all really kind of is one cohesive story together with all four parts. So we decided we were just going to do the one um, okay. summary. Well, um, then it gets a kind of middle of the road bump 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 because it had some ups it, that i really liked and it, some downs that I, I guess <laughs> that is true it's it is a bit unfair that if you had ones that were better than others it does kind of it does kind of shoehorn you into <laughs> bump bump bumming the whole thing or not you know so <laughs> i the synopses aren't too long i could do it for each one yeah go ahead the starship thesis theseus the Doctor and his companion, Sheena, land, land the TARDIS on the glamorous luxury space liner Theseus just as it's about to leave the Jupiter's spaceport. An opportunity for a holiday presents itself, and it's one they're glad to take. But a disturbance catches their attention. They realize sinister events are taking place on board. Passengers are vanishing, and unless they're careful, they may be next. Can the Doctor and Emma solve the mystery, or is there something else they should be worrying about? Bum, bum, bum. Um... <laughs> Glenn does not agree. <laughs> yeah, it, I think that the the problem that I have with this particular story is I was I was admittedly very confused at what was going on, and, and Keith and I talked a little bit about this uh, 
before the show, but I I was very first of all very confused as far as companion goes as as they were trip <laughs> as they were kind of trickling through the different girls and we finally do land on bliss. But I think my biggest problem with this is the setup was such an intriguing story that I kind of wanted that. I kind of wanted to stay with the uh, ocean liner that's basically sacrificing people in order to make these jumps. Uh, I kind of wanted more of that focused mystery and it kind of diverges from that. It still utilizes some of those elements because it is the trolls basically for lack of a better word that they end up right they end up utilizing uh later on uh but i just that was my problem is it it went a completely and it's probably unfair but it went a completely different direction that i sort of felt like it was going see i i liked some of those aspects my biggest complaint with it probably was the idea of these trolls under a hyperspace bridge yeah (laughs) seems i know we haven't gotten a lot of hyperspace in doctor who so we i don't really understand the mechanics of it as well as i do like in star wars i mean or even star trek it's it's still kind of an abstract idea in the doctor who universe because we're so used to just dealing with the vortex so anytime there's talk of hyperspace, it's a little bit different. And the idea that there are these creatures that extract a toll or kill an entire ship if you don't pay something is a little bit of a far-fetched, a little too far-fetched of an idea for me. I was totally okay with it, but <laughs> totally okay with the moon being an egg. So uh, <laughs> that, that, that just was one more in the in a, in a long line of, Eh, okay. You know, uh, you know, the Doctor Who universe tends to do some of these outlandish things, and I, I loved that setup. I loved the, oh, they're doing the, 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 the troll under the bridge. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with this. This is going to be great. And like Glenn, I was a little disappointed that we abandoned that story. Um, maybe it would have been a standard Doctor Who story. Yeah, it, it, because they it, kind of were setting it up for that. Yeah, it would have suffered from that. You're right. Um, you know, oh, the so and so is going to be evil, and this is going on. But you had the mystery of the rotate the revolving door of who this companion was that kept changing her name. Uh, and I also was confused for the first half of it until I kind of caught on to, oh, okay, this is a time war ripple. I see where you're going with mm-hmm. this. Um. And then the Daleks show up, and as the Daleks are wont to do, muck everything up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I, it just it, it it kind of stamped it as a well, this is a good start to the box set. Is that we 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 you know as with all things, oh, we're going to go and have a nice holiday, and we're back there going, <laughs> yeah, right, come as on. <laughs> the writing's on the wall, Doc. You just can't see it. Um. And then that adventure doesn't go the way that we thought it was because this adventure is going to happen. But then this adventure doesn't go the way that we thought it was going to either because the whole ship crashes. And so it was a a continual series of pull the rug out from under your moments, which I thought was kind of clever because it it just it very much kept us off balance through the whole thing. It was like, okay, I'm I'm kind of cool with this because it was just it was just different. Was it frustrating to listen to for those same reasons? Yeah, a little (laughs) bit because it it was kind of like pick a lane, you know. But I, 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 in order for you to move the pieces around the chessboard and get to where you're going for the next part, okay, I'm going to allow it and see what happens. So yeah. it was a good open. 
I, 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 I did appreciate how they kind of turned it on its head when, first of all, you know, we presume that they are sacrificing uh, people in order to save money, basically, for this alternate route. And they're not telling anybody. And then when it switches and it becomes the refugee ship and I think they're running from the they're running from the time war. And then we find out that now this time these people aren't, you know, being abducted and sacrificed. They're volunteers for this. And so I, I did like how they've kind of flipped that as they were changing, as the reality around them was changing as well. That was kind of cool. Yeah. I think I would have been more frustrated by the whole thing if the doctor wasn't confused as well. So I felt like I was lock and step with the doctor yeah. and even maybe a couple steps ahead. So that's why all the changes and constant yeah. shifting didn't really frustrate me when I was listening to it. Right. If I, it if I'm me enjoy it a little bit more, if I'm smarter than the doctor, then it's a little frustrating because I got it before he did. And that shouldn't be the case. That should never be the case. Yeah. But when timelines are shifting and I, I guess I just picked up on the clues well enough while listening to it that I understood kind of what the concept was happening as it was going. So I guess I didn't mind that. Not to mention the eighth doctor sort of, he's, he's had the, uh, the old noggin addled a few times, uh, even in the, yeah, even in the things that we've listened to. So um, for him to be very confused when (laughs) every time that his companion has a different name that I suppose that, I, I was a little forgiving of that because of who, which doctor we were referring to. Yeah. And I, I like the idea, both ideas really that they were able to shoe work into this story of both the cruise line was that a cool idea and very interesting, but then also these refugees escaping the time war and choosing to sacrifice people and who the people that volunteered to be sacrificed in order to help get everybody to safety. I thought mm-hmm. that both mm-hmm. were very cool ideas that were well utilized within the same story together. Yeah. Do you think this was a, uh, a max, uh, Starliner? <laughs> max Capricorn? <laughs> Man, thank you. I couldn't think of his last name. <laughs> we did get references to the faceless ones. Yeah, that's true. It can't be that bad. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on and talk about the next one because I, I, I think I enjoyed it a little bit. Well, okay, let's move on and talk about the next one. <laughs> Echoes of war. Colliding with the full force of the time war, the Doctor crash lands on a jungle world with a ragtag band of refugees. To stay alive, they must cross a landscape where time itself is corrupted. A forest that cycles through growth and decay, where sounds of battle are ne- never far away, and where strange creatures lurk all around. Luckily, the Doctor has friends. Not only plucky scientist Bliss, but another much more unlikely ally. Its name is Dahl. I liked this one a lot. I did too, but it plots its own story out and it becomes a little predictable. And by that, I mean each step that they take. I sort of kind of felt like I saw coming through the whole thing all the way up until, you know, because befriending a Dalek that arguably has lost its, you know, its uh, memory and they're trying to convince it that they're friends because they need it basically uh, to get to the, the, the location that they're trying to get to escape all of this reality changing around them. And so I, I liked it. I thought it was well written. I thought it was well done, but it did feel a little bit 
it did feel a little plotting and it did really kind of feel like I knew what the next step was going to be or what was going to be coming next. I can see that. The, the, uh, the interminable march to its inevitable conclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think what, what right makes it rise above is the march is very enjoyable. The characters are both interesting and enjoyable and frustrating all at the same time. Mm-hmm. The idea of this Dalek not remembering and the moral question it poses of, you know, if, an evil person doesn't know they're evil. Are they really evil? I mean, that's kind of a cool exploration to explore. Um, And then bliss really gets to kind of stand up and shine on her own a little bit and makes, this is a story that makes me go, okay, bliss is cool. I want her to stay around. So between all of those different things, I, I found it a really enjoyable ride, even though I knew where it was going. Yeah. She definitely is a very strong companion. Although I do have to say the the absolute resolution, I did not real. I didn't. I did not think that would be what this overall solution was. I, I think. I guess I would agree with you. I think when we get to the end, I don't. I think I, I was caught a little off guard on how they how they ended this particular part of it. Now it makes sense for what they did in order to move us into the next story as well. Yeah, yeah. The um, I I appreciated the. You know, as somebody who has spent a, a, a lot of, uh, you'll, you'll pardon the expression, as uh, somebody who has spent a lot of time writing time stories that deal with shifting pockets of time, I've always been fascinated by that. So maybe that's another reason why I, I, I really gravitated to this one and liked that, that you go through these areas of expansion and growth within the forest and then everything withers and dies because of it. It's just its own little pocket uh, uh, sphere of. Uh, you know, accelerant, but then the civilization that's going through that within it at the same time, uh, and uh, and and how the the monkey creatures are, are handling it, um, is both very cool and terrifying. You know what what a just horrific weapon, and. I liked the resolution that we get with them that, you know, that these are not monsters, that these are not, they're actually trying to help. That's another very, you know, okay. That's a very doctor who thing. I like this. And then the time Lords show up and wow. And they haven't even deployed the weapon yet that has done this. That's the part that I was like, yes, that's cool. Yeah. We, we get a little bootstrap paradox thing going on. And then the time Lords become, those time lords and it's like ah oh, okay <laughs> wait way to screw it up for everybody guys oh wow you're not just going to nuke the planet you're going to nuke the existence of everything in the solar system mm-hmm. wow okay um so that was a, a that that was a thing and uh yeah the 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 resolution with doll it was uh, it was a little heartbreaking honestly mm-hmm. i would i would have liked to have uh had the opportunity to explore that character a bit more and there there's there's a fine line to be walked there um uh in, in, not to draw yet another star trek parallel but i always remember the uh uh the, the next gen episode i borg where they find uh, a lone Bork drone that has been cut off from the collective and develops uh, 
a personality mm-hmm. and it humanizes it. And they, uh, the, the reviews have always been, you know, this is a great individual episode to explore the humanity of a Borg. The problem is the Borg don't need a human face. The Borg are at their best when they are scary, relentless, uh, you know, this, this quite literally nameless, faceless villain that's just this relentless onslaught coming at you mm-hmm. that you have to overcome. And that's kind of the way the Daleks are. That the minute you you humanize one, the minute you you can make a pet out of it, the minute you develop sympathy for it, you do some very interesting things there. But does that then suddenly harm the collective in general? Because, well, now there's the opportunity for this to be a thing. Even I don't know if it really does. It, it may let it be a thing, but I don't think it harms the collective in the fact that, you know, there have to be very specific circumstances to allow this to happen. And considering how many Daleks there are, it's not like it can happen to all of them. So yeah. I, I don't, I, I, well, there's a good parallel there with the Iborg storyline. It's, I, I don't, I guess the situations for the changes are different enough that it's, I don't know if it could translate to everybody like mm-hmm. maybe could for the Borg. Yeah. And the Borg are a, a little bit of a different animal anyway, because they're, you know, rather emotionless, whereas the Daleks are not, yeah. <laughs> they like to play that they aren't, but now they're, they're little hate filled balls of rage that uh, go quite mad all the time. <laughs> so it's not, not the same. I still would have. I still would have liked a little more exploration with Dahl. I, 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 I think. I think Dahl is kind of a. You could have a whole box set of your own, buddy. Just to see where, <laughs> just to see where this could go. <laughs> but then the next story comes along. Oh, I had to cheer. I did cheer a little bit when Alistra showed up. But that's more because of all the War Doctor stories. Yeah, I was going to say how great she is. Exactly, <laughs> it was refreshing to see her or to hear her as the as an actress in a performance. I don't know that I was all that excited that it was Alistair because of who she is and how manipulative she is. But but the, yeah, the actress who plays her, and you know, yeah, yeah, I think that the way, the way you said it's good. Oh, I mean, Doctor Who <laughs> royalty there. Yeah. Shall we move on to the conscript? Sure. Cardinal Alistra has a new tactic to persuade the doctor to join his people's fight. With his friends locked away, he has been conscripted alongside a fellow Gallifreyans to train for the front lines of battle. Command- Commandant Harlan has a reputation. His camp's regime is harsh. He believes the Time Lords must adapt to win this war, but the doctor is not easily intimidated. Can there be any place for dissidents? When or for for dissents when the time war looms so close, yeah, uh. this one <laughs> this one was a bit dull. Um, I didn't hate it. I I, well, I think the things that stuck out that I didn't like about it was the 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 military boot camp aspect of it was very much uh very much mirrored earth too much down to the cadence down to the uh disciplines down to the um 
you know, the, 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 the results that, that they, you know, if, if somebody's out, steps out of line, it was just, it just mirrored the American army or maybe even the, the, uh, Royal army too much. And so it kind of felt a, a little bit forced and hokey at times because I felt like they were trying to, I think it was Matt fit and wrote this one. I think he was trying to make it relatable to the listener but I think it goes too far, and I think that it could have he could he could have got a little more creative on how this uh, you know brigade or squadron or platoon or whatever is structured. I think it could have been structured differently than just taking you know Full Metal Jacket or or platoon and and you know, translating it into a Gallifreyan uh, training squad. Yeah, and when it does get really interesting is when they're like on that almost final training mission where they're actually doing time, kind of time related stuff. And they just kind of gloss over the time related stuff they're training on. Yeah. It's like, Oh, come on, give me more of that training mission of what they're supposed to be doing. That would be fascinating. But instead it's, Oh, oh things kind of fall apart and the guy is not very good at it. And it's could have been a lot of a, a lot cooler of a story had they actually been more creative. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. Um, the idea of sticking the doctor in the military is like, you know, let's do private Benjamin. It's like, okay, there's, there's some humorous potential to be had here mm-hmm. because this is very much a round peg square hole. Yeah. Um, but there are so many problems with this starting with the the logic behind it because i refuse to believe that a race as advanced as the time lords despite all the dumb things they do um is actually wasting resources and personnel in this manner Mm -hmm. (laughs) when you look at the breadth and scope of the time war and the weapons that have been developed to fight it you are actually training your first of all you're conscripting citizens and 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 putting them in barracks and going through boot camp and and and, and enlisting shock troops you know you 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 you've got you know time lord marines to go out on the front lines against daleks the the the, the, the whole list of things wrong with that <laughs> thought process I mean, I could, I could, I could write chapter and I could write books on what's wrong with that thought process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just, that's not going to work. That's not how you fight a war with this. You know, in, in, in the words of Ripley, I say we take off and nuke them from orbit. <laughs> it's just, you, you can't, you can't, you can't go mano a mano with a, with a, with a, with a Dalek. I don't care what, I mean, maybe in a mech suit or something, but we didn't get that. We got, no, it's the guy in kind of sort of an armor you know, stormtrooper outfit with a gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- there's, there's that element to it. Then there's, as Glenn pointed out, the, the, the so close similarities to the, the earth training, which I, I refuse to believe that Gallifrey is, is that regimented in that. Mm-hmm. Example. Th- this, this would have been a very interesting, had the doctor been confused uh, for a human. And this was an earth based story in an earth based army that he was stuck in. Okay. Then maybe we've got something where he got conscripted by accident and nobody knew he was an alien. Th- then, 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 you know, he, he's forced to go through the motions and, you know, 
winds up in the hole like the Cooler King. Okay, I, I could see that being a thing. Or maybe a, uh, you know, he and the Brig are going at it, and he says, well, you wouldn't last five minutes in my world. Well, you wouldn't last five minutes in mine, and they agree to, you know, kind of try it out. So he goes through basic training to see what it's Quit like. giving then... up really great ideas for stories <laughs> that you should be writing. <laughs> You get my you get my point. There's so many other ways that this story could have been told other than a time war setting. That most just... of most of the time I'm lawyering us out of a lot of the things you say. This time I'm lawyering us into the one. This one I'm going to say right now. Um, these ideas are copyright traveling in the vortex, 2022. <laughs> 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 Sorry. No, it's, but yeah, and then. As Keith pointed out, so we, we finally, finally, after we get through all of the rigmarole of the, you know. Down to a food fight. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we're, we're going to go through the barracks and we're going to go through the, the isolation and putting him in the hole and the, you know, the standard stuff. And then we get to the cool bit. Oh, there's time jumps and there's this. Okay. Tempo this will be cool. Orienteering. Yeah. yeah. That, I kind of like that. That cool. was, yeah, that was neat. Not enough of it. No, exactly. But that's yeah. what Keith's argument was. And then, and then again, the Time Lord's being dumb. So the beginning of the story sets off this grand plan about we want the we want the Doctor in there till he breaks, and we're going to use his his friends as leverage, and we're going to you know he's he's got to be you know the and he doesn't because of course he won't. He's not going to break. He's not going to be a cog in your wheel. Anybody, anybody who has ever met the doctor, and Alistra especially, ought to know better. Yeah, I mean, come on. But they they make it seem like there's this grand behind the curtain plan for the reason they're doing this. And then you get to the end of the story, and it's like, oh well, that didn't work. Well, <laughs> well, but, but, but we learned there that... is there is more motive behind this that we learn in the next story. Yeah, the idea. I don't think they ever, ever truly expected the doctor to buy well, into everything. Well, they were going to try. This ultimately, ultimately, the doctor's involvement in this was completely immaterial. Yeah, well, it None was. Of it mattered. Well, they just needed him out of the way. Exactly, it was a distraction. That's, That's exactly yeah. what it was. This was to get him out of the way while they were trying to unravel what they were trying to unravel in, in, with the. Others in the yeah in the next story. So so it, it very easily could have been yeah let the doctor take them home and then pick them all up a minute after he leaves. Yeah. He would have never known. There's so many. You guys have time machines. Yeah. You are, and I, I hesitate to point this out to you, but it is in your name, the Lords of Time. <laughs> well, surely you got a whole room full of people at the cia thinking stuff you, up like this but, but that's just it you can't give them too much credit because look at the arrogance of them thinking that they were go they were uh well protected uh on this training base and of course now the yeah. the commandant he knew better and he suspected that they weren't as protected as as the uh, uh the hierarchy felt that they were but Oh, we have sky trenches. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I mean, I, it, 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 I mean, if you just turn to that for how ignorant they are in running this kind of war. Honestly, they, you, they do basic training like this. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you, you, if, if, if this is an example of how the Time Lords ran the war, I'm kind of shocked that it went on as long as it did. And that it took the Daleks as long as it did to, you know, 
I, I'm shocked that it was a stalemate mm -hmm. for as long as it was, and that yeah. the Daleks took as long as they did to wipe them out. Right. Quite quite literally, because this is this is like, you know, Custer level of ineptitude. Mm -hmm. I mean, pick a guy who failed miserably. Or, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm struggling to come up with a name, but pick that guy and go. Yeah, this is this is this is you right now. This is how bad you have messed up. It's just so. It's, yeah, that element of it was very frustrating. It's like I, I wish we had gotten. I don't know. There's so many different ways you could have told this story and made it work without the time war setting. And even if you're going to do the time war, it's like okay, but. I, I just I, re I I can't wrap my brain around this is how they're fighting this war. I just I, I, I refuse to accept that. But yet that's what we were given. So mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, okay. I mean, so that, that was the big stumbling block for, that I had. We do know that they are fighting it on the ground occasionally, based off of Day at the Doctor. I mean, we ha we see the scenes while they're walking through Gallif of course they're walking through Gallifrey once it's been invaded but i mean well and that that to me is always has always felt more like that was the last resort you know that was the you're, if you're going street to street action it's because everything else has failed mm -hmm. or because your battle tart has crashed or because you're on Gallifrey and you're trying to push them out of the the city sector where the civilians are at you know what i mean i mean it, right. there, there there had to have been a, a a logical reason for that action to have happened versus nope we're just gonna land and push them off the beachhead and it's like <laughs> why <laughs> just <laughs> so many better ways to do this but yeah I, I i was kind of at a loss with this one and matt fitton is normally uh, we've listened to several audios from this mm -hmm. guy and he's normally a pretty solid reliable he's one of those that i see his name on the cover and i go oh goody you know because i i know that i'm in for a good time and I, you know again paul mcgann's wonderful he makes just about anything palatable uh if, if not he does lift it up and lot. he does he, he 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 has those moments like the food fight like the the, the constant headbutting with the um with the commandant and 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 Alistra. He, he makes those those pieces of the story that do work really work. And the stuff that doesn't work, he even manages to elevate up into a, I'm right there with you. You know, this is, this is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's just so much dumb that it was like, oh, I, I, I don't know if I can. I don't know, man. It was so frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, finish up with the next one. One Life. As the full force of the Time War crashes down around the Doctor and his friends, a desperate battle for survival ensues. But not everyone is playing the same game. Alistra is after a weapon that could end the war in a stroke, and she'll sacrifice anyone or anything to take it back to Gallifrey, even the Doctor. Surrounded by Daleks and on a tortured planet, only one man can save the day, but he doesn't want to fight. Bum, bum, bum. As much as I enjoyed the ride, I'm a little frustrated that it all comes down to they were after a weapon. The yeah. Did did anybody suspect that one of the people was the weapon? Kind of once we started this story, I did. 
I think, before yeah. Before that. Well, I didn't really know what they were looking for before that, though. So. Well, yeah, I guess that's – well, no, I thought that was mentioned in one of the cutaways in the uh, last one where they were when they were talking well did we get that then or maybe it was later i don't remember anyway it, maybe it was at the beginning of this one but yeah there at some point when they started talking about looking for this weapon i kind of wondered if it was one of the people especially since we kind of got thrown uh, this group thrown at us from the beginning and so i sort of wondered if maybe somebody in this group and i i think what i liked about this one was the way that it was constructed between uh the the couple and i i completely forgot their names now but um how they they yeah they construct it where they go back through sort of their um courtship and uh you know togetherness marriage whatever uh i I liked how that we kept stepping back and kind of revealing things that really weren't true it was it was things that that he had inadvertently planted in both of their minds and so that was kind of neat i thought that was a good cool idea um, but yeah, I, I, I was a little let down that it, it all boiled down to the fact that they were just, in fact, that was, it, it's revealed that that's kind of why they had sidelined the doctor on his, on, you know, in this, uh, uh, platoon, because this, this was what they were trying to get out. They were trying to find out, you know, who knew more about this. Now, I don't think they at the time knew that he was uh, was the weapon because I think it's the doctor that sort of figures that out later. But, um, but I think they think he knows about it or knows where it is or he knows they thinks they know where it is, and so ultimately that we're we're let in on why the doctor's sidelined at this point, not directly but indirectly. Yeah. Yeah, there are. Um... I, I liked the adventure part of this. I liked the uh, you know the Daleks crashing the base and escaping and, and more of the moral implications with uh, the doctor and Lister arguing over why did you leave guards behind? And it's like, well, that was their duty. And, you know, mm-hmm. while everybody else gets in the TARDIS and flies off. And I, I kind of liked the idea that the ship is still damaged enough that, well, we can fly through space, but not time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, that's a new one. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know that we've really had that before. Um, and some very nifty Dalek mechanics with whatever the, the ship is everywhere at, you know, and therefore nowhere. Okay, cool. I'm, I, I, I don't know that I understand it, but okay, I'll, I'll roll with it. Why not? <laughs> so all, all of that was great. But then when we boil it down to, and I, and I, again, I'm with you, Glenn, I liked the, the, the structure of the story of piecing together their relationship but once we boil it down to the very kind of simplistic oh we borrowed this idea from uh, uh armageddon factor that the the queen is a, a fragment of the key to time that he's the weapon and 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 has been that he just decided not to be mm-hmm. it's like oh okay and I, I do like the fact that he's not a manufactured weapon that he is this genetic kind of anomaly to time lords of he has isn't such in touch with the the vortex and time itself that he could do this just almost naturally mm-hmm. yeah I, I appreciated that aspect of it well what it was it just said with just the slight adjustment it could alter reality with his mind yeah yeah so yeah they'd have to modify him a little bit but not a whole lot mm-hmm 
for me, so much of the story itself doesn't really matter. And I don't, I don't really remember a lot of it. And I just listened to it not that long ago of, you know, what the adventure was when it, all I really remember what sticks in my head is the, is him being the weapon and how kind of him struggling with that idea of it. And I, I guess that kind of goes back to once again, kind of the false pretenses of that, because if, if you had this genetic anomaly that was born with this ability, uh, wow. I, I don't know that the time Lords being the time Lords would have, I don't, I don't, I don't know that they would have gone the weapon route with it. But I obviously, obviously the temptation is there to go, Oh, well we could use it for this. But at the same time, the fact that he can or could change reality to suit whatever whim he came up with is a terrifying prospect that all you had to do was piss him off. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that he, he could unmake your entire civilization. And and I, I think the Time Lords, being the Time Lords, would, cons- if anything not so much a weapon to be used, but would consider him more a threat to the established order and probably would have offed him and not allowed him to, you know, if, and if he had escaped and, and gone off, this manhunt would have been ongoing long before the time war was a thing. You know, this would have been a, every resource, every security squad, every CIA operative, you know, we're calling out the whole ball of wax to find this guy. We cannot let this thing loose in the universe. So something that powerful, mm. just roaming around on his own. Nah, I, that's another thing that is kind of, a, there's a fault in the storytelling there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Although I think we've established the arrogance of the time Lords in their believing that they can control anything and have a good handle in this war, I sort of think they would attempt to use him as a weapon um, before somebody realized that, oh, he's also a threat to us. Um, Probably to would have at least tried to manipulate him to do their bidding and then off him knowing that, you know, he's, he's certainly too powerful to keep around. So yeah, I, I sort of I dogs, sort of but... agree, but I think they would have at least tried to utilize his quote unquote talents <laughs> in in <laughs> some way before deciding. Okay, well now we we have we've used you. Now we have to kill you. Yeah, the time lords are, are anything if not short sighted. Which mm-hmm. again, <laughs> for a race that has the ability yeah. to see time, man. <laughs> <laughs> um. Not, not very good at it, are they? <laughs> uh, and then I think the story kind of divulges into a, I don't want to call it a cheat, and I don't even want to call it lazy writing, but it's almost it was almost get off too easy because once he brings back the, the realization of who he is and what he is, and then all he has to do is kind of fix things with his mind and make people forget. And so <laughs> it's kind of wrapped up too nicely in, in that way. For me, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and it is it is a little sad that he decides that, that how he does that is by making it so he never existed in the first place. 
Because as a character throughout the box set, it's I liked him. He was he was an enjoyable, even though he was kind of he was the one character in episode two that was the one that was kind of frustrating. Of why are you being such a kind of jerk about bringing this Dalek along, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But but he was the voice of reason that was needed, right? Right. Yeah. You know, you yeah. you needed somebody to be voicing those objections even if he was a little strong-willed about it you had to you know you had to have a chain yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true as a walking dead reference for those of you that, that, that didn't catch it but um yeah i the, the problem again the problem i have with you get to an all-powerful moment like this and they, they just go okay i'll fix it but they always fix it in such a way that it doesn't really fix things mm-hmm. So he fixed it. And how did he fix it? Well, he fixed it so that the doctor's alive and that he no longer exists. But we still lost all these people mm-hmm. in, in the course of this adventure. We didn't, you know, the planet still blew up. The Time Lord still went through all this rigmarole. The guards are still dead. The Daleks still... I mean, you, you could have taken care of all that on your way out. Didn't, didn't, you know? <laughs> didn't the planet devolve? Yeah, devolved into into nothing. So I guess it didn't blow up. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, I was just being pedantic. It was never a planet to begin with. Yeah, (laughs) right. There you go. But just you you could have fixed all this on your way out the door, and you chose not to because it's beneath you, because you're a god and you can't be bothered with it, because you didn't think of it for whatever reason. It was just, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we got a happy ending for the one character that ostensibly the audience cares about. Right, right, and and, and but we don't really know why is... it's a happy ending, though. Yeah, and and that, that just kind of goes back to the uh, these kinds of stories don't work for this reason, <laughs> because nobody wants to do the 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 post story wrap up. Yeah, yeah. So I think overall, it's a pretty middling story, and it which is kind of sad. I mean. Because it has some highlights, it has some detriments, but it's kind of a sad state for we're starting off Paul McGann's, you know, or the Eighth Doctor's limited involvement in the Time War. And I think it's also a little misleading that that we're we're getting box sets with the Eighth Doctor called the Time War when it was really heavily implied for the longest time that he tried to distance himself from the war. And so I'm interested to see where they're going, where they skirt this edge of him content, you know, consistently trying to avoid it. But this start, I don't think was its strongest start. And so I'm kind of hoping that this series gets better as we go along. Yeah, yeah definitely. Oh, sorry. Keith, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, it's kind of um, calling it the time war is a bit misleading because it almost makes it sound like he's gonna be involved with it when while he is he's still trying his best not to and you know still doing his helping thing so it's i don't know it it's a weird line they're trying to walk and this box set i don't think it walks it very well mm-hmm. time more aftershocks time more fallout time more there's any number of things you could have called it other than just the time war right avoiding um, time war avoiding the time war <laughs> time war avoidance not quite the time war before the time war um Girding the time war <laughs> time war side, stri- side trip <laughs> 
circling the time war. <laughs> well, that's good. That was good. But, um, yeah, no, like I said, there's, there's some ups and downs to the story. I, I think overall there's probably a few more ups. It's, it's let down by its basic premise and structure. But the moments that work within it are very cool. And of course, Paul McGann. Yeah, you know, it's... I, I, I continue to come back to that—that that he could read a phone book and yeah. it, it, he would find a way to make it entertaining enough to listen to. He certainly carries this entire box set as far as um, yeah performance goes, and Alistair as well. And Bliss continues to be good in this, and even the final story too. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it looks like she's going to stick around. Yeah, she is a very promising character too. All right, well, Sean, we'll see where they go. Sean, what do we got coming up on the ship? Well, speaking of seeing where they're going, going to go, <laughs> what's coming up on the uh, schedule? Well, coming up on the schedule is uh, Time War 2, Electric Boogaloo. That's not really the title of the box set. It's just Time War 2. Uh, <laughs> really? But, but one day. Oh. But one day. <laughs> I don't know. I suppose if we could do circling the time war, we could do electric boogaloo for the second one. <laughs> uh, and then it'll, I think come as a surprise to no one that the, uh, the, the follow-up is time war three. <gasps> and then what time is, war four. What is this craziness? Sequential? <laughs> what? You got a whole bunch of Paul McGann in here. order in a row, <laughs> all dealing with potentially the time war. <laughs> Hopefully, there's more uh, uh, more dealing with the time war than the the, the Warmaster sets dealt with the time war. Right, right. <laughs> Considering it's Act Two, it better. I mean, I, th- I suppose we can give it that. There's more. There's there, so far. There was far more time war in this time war set than there was in the Warmaster sets. Fair enough. Fair That's enough. true. Yeah, there were at least Daleks in this. Right. Uh, and then, um... oh, sorry. Round out phase two with some uh, uh, classic Doctor's New Monsters and a Diary of Ripper Song. All of that is yet to come. Also, want to shout out a plug because by the time you <laughs> listen for this, it will be available. The Temporal Logbook. Three? Three. I don't have an electric boogaloo for that one. <laughs> Um, yours truly was, 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 was fortunate enough to have a uh, short story, uh, selected for publication in this, uh, a wonderful anthology. I'm assuming it's wonderful. I've not had a chance to read it yet. So, uh, I'm just going to say it's wonderful, uh, anthology of Dr. Who stories. Uh, there is one from each doctor's era and, uh, they've been lovingly collected into a collection, uh, themed changed lives. So it's all about how lives have been altered and changed by the doctor's uh, influence and, uh, uh, you know, in some cases made better, in some cases wrecked horribly, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, uh, book from our friends over at uh, Pencil Tip Publishing is available October 6th. So by the time this comes out, it will be available for sale. And all proceeds go to charity. So uh, uh, reach deep into your pockets and, uh, and purchased and uh, go, go help out a good cause. And certainly I think here we're probably going to take a break from the time or at least for one uh, episode in order to uh, give our opinions and our reviews on it as well. So 
I watch, would like to. Watch for that. All right. Well, you can keep up to date with our uh, with what's happening on our website, TravelingVortex.com. If you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by clicking on the patron link on our website and consider supporting us there. And thank you for those who thank you to those who already are. Also, please consider giving us a five star review wherever you subscribe to the podcast and make sure that you join in the conversation in our listeners forum on Facebook. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, uh, and we are at Travel Vortex. So if you uh, want to give us a shout out on there, um, feel free. We'll uh, hopefully we'll respond. <laughs> All right. Anything else we need to do before we close this one out? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. <laughs> Got a two for this week. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.